A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna on News Talk. Yes, you can email the show alive and kicking at newstalk.com or you will find me on Instagram. I'm at Claire McKenna Presents. Coming up this morning, biohacker Tim Gray on taking his health into his own hands and reducing his biological age. Susanna Healy on the impact of spirituality on our physiology. And Andre Splendori on the importance of conversation and connection in our social fabric. So what kind of a health and wellness week did I have? Well, I'm not going to lie. I felt tired and overwhelmed this week. I did, of course, have bursts of energy and goodness, but I am still finding the evenings to be my worst. And that's a time I actually really need to ramp up to tackle other life stuff like homework, dinner and answering questions after the word mom possibly a million times. And it's not that I'm not grateful for my wonderful life, but sometimes I just don't seem to have the energy for it. And often on this show, I feel a certain pressure and on my social media to present this idea that I have it all figured out, that there's a narrative that I used to be unhealthy and now I'm here bursting with vitality and vigour. But the truth is, nobody really has it all figured out and life takes us on all kinds of roller coasters. But the genuine difference between my life before and now is that I catch myself in those moments quicker and I have more experienced information of how to get myself back on track. So the fact that I began or have begun to grimace at around 8pm when someone calls my name or attempts to have a conversation with me would intone to me that I am in overwhelm. I have been busy running from one thing to the next and I haven't really been putting enough time into replenishing and recharging. So that will be happening. I've been out a lot, so food has been off and there's been more drinking. All good for the soul and I don't regret a thing. But now I'll be looking at making more energising choices and breath work perhaps at bedtime just before I answer those questions to bring me from fight or flight back to rest and digest. Simple things that often we let life get in the way of. You can email the show aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. 
Now, Andre Splendori is a coach and mentor, also teaching others to coach across various countries and industries. One of his passion projects is Social Fabric. And through his podcast and live events, Andre seeks to rebuild the fabric of society one conversation at a time. And Andre joins me in studio for a conversation. Andre, you're very welcome. Thanks a million, Claire. Thanks for having me. So people will hear your accent and that awesome surname, Splendori. And though you live in the beautiful town of Greystones in Wicklow, you're clearly not from there. What brought you to that beautiful part of the world? So yeah, I'm originally from Rome, and just outside the city of Rome on the, the seaside, a place called Ostia. But I, I came over 33 years ago on a one-way ticket just to see what it was like following my the love of my life at the time. And uh, and I stayed, I stayed, and now um, I'm with my, the love of my life, uh, which is a different person, uh, Sylvia. And I stayed, and I have two children, and and, and I just love where I am, love great sons, love Ireland, and uh, I've been here for so long. I'm not too sure which one is home anymore. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, when that happens? And it, it's nice to have two homes. It's nice to have two homes. However, uh, Rome has now become a place where I go as a tourist and rediscover every time I go back. And uh, it's fabulous. It's an amazing place, but uh, I don't feel at home anymore. My brain has become a bit uh, too Irish for the Italians, the way the lifestyle of the Italian lifestyle. And do you think in English now and dream in English? Yeah, I have been for a long, long time. And that was the the, 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 the big difference. When I used to try to speak English um, and translate it in my brain, uh, it was just... Uh, it was really difficult. And the, the key point for me was to uh, be able to tell a joke in English. <laughs> That's normally as a way you realize you actually made it. And I, the first few jokes I told, they didn't really land. Um, and then eventually I managed to figure it out and uh, started thinking English. But I've been thinking in English in a long time. And now when I do teach in Italian as well, I do. The, you mentioned the courses that I teach, diploma courses I teach in coaching and mentoring. I do one in English and I also do one in Italian. And the one in Italian is harder because I have to think, uh, I think in English and then translate into Italian. So it's uh, it's a bit messed up. Yeah, it's so fascinating, the brain and, and how it works. And I suppose it's like the neural pathways, whichever path you're walking becomes more worn down and more cemented. And that's just the way it is. And when it comes to the courses, teaching mm-hmm. and mentoring, what makes a good coach or a mentor? Are they the same thing or diff- do they have different characteristics? Uh, well, the coaching and mentoring has changed a lot in the last number of years. Mentoring is becoming more and more, um, there's a coaching approach to mentoring, for want a better word. So just to explain it very quickly, like what makes a good coach is somebody genuinely believes in the person across from them. That's my belief. And I guess it comes from uh, Carl Rogers' psychology of, you know, person center. Uh, therapy really that's where I believe it comes from because if you believe in the person in front of you then you believe you can ask the right questions and allow them to find the answer so that's really the the coach is the person that questions your answers and the mentor is more like the person that answers your questions Mm. that's really the little subtlety however as I was saying that there's more and more um, a coaching approach to mentoring so if I were to mentor you I would try as best as I can to get you to find the answers before I might suggest I might advise I might give you a little bit of my wisdom uh, that might be of use to you so there is a slight difference and with mentoring it needs, you need to have a, a certain knowledge of what you're mentoring on so for example I do quite a bit of work with young entrepreneurs the mentoring space because 
I've set up companies in the past. I've failed many times, so I've learned what not to do. But what I find working with young entrepreneurs, that you learn so much from the mentoring conversation because they're on a completely different path, a completely different era, and everything is happening out there. Although I set up business over the last 30 years, I just wouldn't know anymore, especially if it's in the tech industry. It changes every second. So there's a, there's a nice... Uh, similarities but coaching is really is, is very much just giving the space to people to to find their answers and what I, I genuinely believe in every person I work with and I work with different individuals also work with uh, companies in the team building and team coaching uh, business and if you genuinely believe in the person in front of you then things will happen and if you're asking the right questions the question need to create insights as opposed to answers so that's that's what I do. And you mentioned young entrepreneurs there and failure. Do the younger generation, and I hate to even call them that, I'd like to think I'm still in there, um, celebrate failure and realise that it's part of the process or are people looking for a fast track to success? Well, I think personally, and, and I do quite a bit of work with young people, I think that it needs to happen and not celebrating failure at that early stage. I think it's okay. I think it's part of what we do. I didn't like failing when I did. Uh, it's just with hindsight that you realize how much you have to learn from it. And you know, you look in your wounds and you go, okay, I, that had to happen. There's also, a, you were talking about the neuroscience and the, the neurology of it. There's a, the, the human brain, especially the male's brain, doesn't really develop until the age of 28, which I came to realize that when I tracked back my, my youth, I thought that makes a lot of sense. So I believe... Personally, I believe that there is a natural progress of having to fail, having to believe that you're the best thing has ever happened. As it happened to me, I was the best thing ever until I realized I wasn't. At 28, <laughs> that was just a normal person. So I think, I don't think it's a case of young people don't celebrating, not celebrating failure. I think it's very much something, a natural progress that needs to happen, even in, in, in a, an enterprise. Some people... Design in a slightly different way, but even you need to make those mistakes. You need to look back at them with hindsight. And uh, on the on in the moment, it's hard to tell somebody, "Look, failure is okay." You know, I think it's just you need to you need to see the other side of it before before you can realize that it was actually worth the fla- the failure as such. And do you think we all need somebody in our corner, a coach, a mentor, be they paid or otherwise, who will challenge us or ask us questions, hold us accountable? I think so for um, for a number of reasons because, uh, as you say, paid or otherwise, I think we need to have somebody. Uh, and it was Aristotle that said that you know three mil- three thousand years ago he said we should all have someone that keeps us accountable. And I think especially now where we're getting quite distracted by everything around us, you know, we constantly there's always something shinier on in the horizon. I think it's important to have somebody keeping us accountable for what we do and how we do it. But also, if you think if you think who, who your mentor is or was, you know what are the words that come to mind when you think of mentor? Is that generosity? You know, is that availability? Is is that somebody you can really look up to? Whether they do or say anything to you, it's just having that beacon of uh, in front of you. I think it's important now. What, as you say, what is paid or otherwise? It, it, it's now more than ever. 
because although we're getting so much more connected through social media, we're also so much more disconnected and we don't have that deeper conversation that we used to have. That's my belief. There's, I think the deeper conversation is, is, is becoming harder because of the speed of everything we do and the belief that we need to do so much more all the time. So somebody that keeps you accountable, that keeps asking you questions to stretch a little bit more. You know, we can all do a little bit more. And that doesn't mean performance or anything. You know, it's just important to be aware of our potential. And sometimes our, we, we look at potential and say, okay, well, that's me done. But I think there's, there's always a little bit more. And that's what a coach or a mentor can do for you. I touched on social fabric in the introduction and you mentioned there this age of distraction. Do you believe that the art of conversation is, is dying out? Is that why you wanted to bring the social fabric about? Uh, that was That's what it started for. So I called it social fabric because at the time my children were teenagers and I was looking at social media. That was about six years ago thereabouts when I started. And I was looking at social media then, which was already completely different from what it is now, but it was at the beginning of all the... Instagram and, and everything else. And I was just concerned that the, there was no intergenerational conversation going on. So what we used to do uh, sitting around the table with your uncles and aunties, and I'm sure we still do, a lot of us still do it, but the village that was there, that you could sit down at the bar and have a, a coffee and talk to an older gentleman, an elderly lady, and also a younger person, that seemed to, to me, was going and... Uh, and I was watching my kids and I was watching the type of conversations they were having. And it was very much peer-to-peer. And there was nothing challenging enough for them to, to, to get their teeth into it. So I thought maybe, maybe I start something, maybe I start a conversation with somebody. And that, I, I genuinely believe that conversations are key to our well-being. Just, just opening up, having a chat like we're doing now. And but be no judgmental. Just allow the person to express themselves, and then have a think about what you might believe is right or wrong, or does it fit your values, or doesn't fit your values, or whatever it may be. I just found the old social media too polarized, too much of one thing or another. Very little gray areas. Is that a black or white? That's where I started, and I thought, why don't I record a couple of conversations and see what these people have to say? All I wanted to know was brought them to do what they were doing, what, you know, whether it was work or a passion project or hobby. Um, and it just started that way and it just ended up talking to about 170 people about all sorts of things. But the, what, what I find really interesting is that once you start a conversation with somebody and really you're not judging their modus operandi or, or their, the reason why they wrote that book or they wrote that song or the album, Everything else comes out. There's a lot more interesting. I'll give you an example. The last episode I put out was with um, a gentleman I never met. Les Key is his name. He's a musician. I was told, I was asked if I could interview him, so I did. He was just releasing an album. He was doing a gig in Wheelands. but the conversation went a completely different way because I asked him a couple of questions that I, I was interested. I was curious about him, and we ended up talking about. Uh, he ended up talking about his past, his heritage been from uh, his father was Jewish, his mother was Catholic, and and everything that went around that in Dublin in the seventies. How different his upbringing was because of just these two, you know, parents are from two different religions, and that's what I love about it, that. It's we ended up talking about the album eventually, but uh, <laughs> that in, that interested me so much, 
and it always does. Every conversation interests me. That I'm hoping um, my children, first of all, and then anybody else that might pick up on that conversation, find something of interest. And they, they don't have to agree with it, but I wonder what it was like. And that's uh, that's why I've been doing it. That's why I still do it, because there's been little sparks over the, the years of... Uh, Things that come out of a conversation, you know, little communities have been created, uh, little groups just simply listen to somebody talking, saying, "Okay, I'll reach out to the, the guests and and have a conversation," and then that just grew. So it's uh, as as you mentioned in the in the intro, yeah, the, the ambitious idea is to change the fabric of society one conversation at a time. But I, I'm also aware that it's. Um, you know, everybody has their own world, their own cul-de-sac, as I keep calling it. So if we can all look after the cul-de-sac, then uh, eventually the green would be a, a great place to hang out. Yeah, definitely. And this it, it certainly happened for me, maybe more listening to podcasts than just my, my peer group. Not that they don't help me evolve or see things in a different way, but often you'll be listening to a podcast and you'll nearly feel a penny drop inside your brain and you'll say, wow, I never thought of yeah. it that way. And and that's the power of long form conversation because you can really get in deep. I went to see your event in the Whale Theatre with Dermot Whelan and that was a fantastic night. You have a very particular style. You're quite laid back in your questioning, I suppose. Is your style that you like to let the person not shine, but you like to sit back and, and see where it goes? Well, uh, thanks, Minion, first of all, for coming and, and for the feedback. It's great. Um, yes, I don't know any other way other than um, just just give the space. I always say, you know, when people say that was a fantastic show, it always says it's always about the guests and really is about the guests. And Dermot is a great character. We both know him. I didn't know him that well. I met him a couple of times at dinners and lunches that we had. But I knew there was something more to Dermot than the persona that it shines on the radio. And so that's what I'm always looking for. I'm looking for the person to decide what they want to talk about on the night, on the, in the moment. So I don't prepare for anything. I never do. Never do. I, I, like I read his book at the time because I really enjoyed the book, but I don't prepare for the conversation because I do believe that that moment in time is the key for the guest. So I'm very much about... Uh, yeah, giving all the space to the, to the guests more so than... It's not my show. It's my show, but it's their show, if you know what I mean. And I think the best is uh, Ross, uh, the owns the, sh- the theatre. Every time uh, I finish a show, he sends me a message and he sends me this wonderful feedback to say, uh, service before self. And that's really, I think, what I like to do. It's not... It's, it's about me, but it's not about me. It's about the people I can bring to the stage as opposed to the Andrea Splendori show. You know, it's called Social Fabric for a reason. That's what I like to do. Do you think the Andre Splendori show has quite a name to it? But I think people would be imagining you'd be pulling rabbits out of hats or something. There's a sort of a magician-y sound to that. You have two brilliant shows coming up. The incredible Brian Penny, the neuroscientist, on the 29th of February in the Whale Theatre and the happy pair in the Laughter Lounge in Dublin in April. And the podcast is is ongoing. People can find out more at socialfabric.ie. Andre Splendori, thank you very much for coming on. You're more than welcome. Thanks for having me. Alive and kicking on News Talk. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. 
Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Now, Susanna Healy is a psychologist and author of The Seven Day Soul. Much of Susanna's work is around her passion and research interest in spirituality and health. And she joins me in studio now. Susanna, you're very welcome back. Thanks, Claire. Great to be back again. You did come on around the time of the launch of your book. And I think I was only in my first year of presenting this show. So I'm sorry it's taken so long to have you back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just grateful to be back. Because I'm always very interested. There is great importance around spirituality Mm. and health. But I don't think people know that. And I think there's a lot of confusion around what spirituality is. So could we start there? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think you're 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 so right. It's a really people feel it's a really sensitive subject or people feel like you kind of can't go there. And what I notice is that when I do speak about it, people are going, it's almost like they'll come up to me afterwards going, I love what you said there. or I'm so glad you're talking about this, you know, or they'll follow me or whatever it might be. But it's because they find it really hard to find information anywhere else about it. It's like people for so long have kind of put together religion and spirituality. And of course, religion done properly is extremely spiritual. But it isn't the same thing. So you can be deeply spiritual, but not at all religious. And I think that's the the kind of that we need to get into all of that vocabulary and we need to be able to kind of because it's so important to health and well-being but we'll end up losing it if we don't continue the conversation because we do talk about well and and I would certainly lean into talking about nourishing yourself mind body and soul Mm. and in America they say mind body and spirit but then people are sort of scared of that spirit side or you know when you're talking about how do you nourish your soul it can be hard to really pinpoint what that is. Is that because it's so individual for people? Yeah, exactly. And even in the research, I mean, the the beginning of all academic papers will always give this big, long explanation as to what they decided was a definition of spirituality, because you have to, because in in reality, it's it's different for everybody, because it has to be because it's deeply, deeply personal. But you're absolutely right. I mean, even if you go to business conferences in the States, they, you know, even if they're talking about their marketing, their finance, whatever, they'll talk about because we are mind, body, spirit or, you know, and, and they'll put this out as a, you know, just an off the cuff remark and then go on with their business talk. Whereas here, you'd never hear that in the business world. It would be kind of like, you know, now we've got much better about talking about the mind. So we're mind and body, but no way would we, we, we go and, and include spirituality, even though Irish people are deeply spiritual. What is the impact on our health then and spirituality? What does the research show us? Yeah, well, the research, I mean, it's actually a hugely growing area of research in in in, in, in psychology. It's kind of like it, it's, it's really kind of growing legs hugely. 
And of course, there's loads more to be done because all research has to be kind of replicated and repeated all the time until we know for definite. But what we do see, and a lot of the times it's it's shown through our psychology or whatever it might be, but spirituality is bigger than our psychology. It's we might if somebody else if somebody doesn't like the word spirituality, you might say existential. So it's about the bigger picture of our lives. And so what we do know is that we have these kind of existential or spiritual needs. We need to be able to connect what is deeply meaningful for us personally, and we're all individual in that, to what we do in life. Uh, We need meaningful work. We need just workplace and just work. Um, you know, the amount of work that we're given, it has to be a just and fair one. We, we know that spirituality, even in, in it gives hope to people, it, it, uh, sometimes it can heal instead of cure. It may not necessarily cure somebody, but it can heal. It can give them a sense of contentment, completion, a sense of coherence, because we all need to find that within our lives, that there is a kind of coherent, there's kind of, our life makes sense, that it's got a kind of a true way that uh, there's a common theme throughout our lives that, you know, what's true to ourselves, our nature, our personality, etc., is actually seen in, in what we do every day. So that's kind of a sense of coherence. We need to sense a, f- a feeling of significance. We need to feel that our lives matter and that our, that's a real ultimate concern. We all need to know that our lives matter and have mattered. So I'm always reminded of that you know that film, um, What Women Want, and I think it's Mel Gibson, and he he kind of in the in the earlier part of the scene, he's he um, he he's very kind of ignorant and chauvinistic or whatever, and then he electrocutes himself, and he gets to hear about you know what what women want. But he suddenly realises, he hears all of the worries in women's heads and he suddenly begins to actually realise the people that feel utterly invisible. And that was a great way of showing that we all need to feel seen and heard and that there is alignment between what we, what we are and who we are and what we're doing every day. So how can spirituality show up in people's lives? Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 for some people, there, there's various different types of spirituality. So there's um, inner spirituality, so kind of like, um, and intra spirituality. Which intra spirituality means that we're talking about ourselves, and that we're, we're thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about what's true to ourselves and our nature, um, and that takes quite a lot of work and a, and a sense of maturing with ourselves. But some people go through life without ever really being true to themselves. So there's intra. There's um, inter, which means a spirituality between people, and that might be whatever community. It might be your family, it might be your workplace, it might be your your community, whatever it might be. Um, and then there's environmental, which is the kind of more ecological sense of being a part of nature. And for a lot of people, that might be where it ends. But for a very high percentage of people, particularly in Ireland, they still retain a sense of there is something more don't know maybe what to call it or some people will call it God but they don't necessarily go along with the religious ideas they have very very different and very personal ideas but some sense of there is something more that maybe we can't explain and that's transcendent spirituality so all of those show up in our lives. Obviously here in Ireland we've been on quite a journey with religion um, and there are many controversies and Perhaps people without that may have stepped away from the Catholic Church in particular. Is there a fear there that they also did away with their own route to spirituality or or didn't know how to find another way to it? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because what religion gave us was, and gives millions of people, really important to say, um, a structured way, a kind of a scaffolding on which to, 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 to live by their religion or their faith or whatever it might be, for example, going to Mass every Sunday and that kind of thing. Whereas for a lot of people, if you do away with that and you turn away from that, then it becomes a bit sporadic or it means kind of like it's a vague notion in your head, but there's no particular time of the day or the week that you practice it. There's no particular way to practice it. Or it might be for some people, they might find being in nature deeply spiritual, but only when they're in nature or only when they notice nature as in out in, you know, up the mountains or something like that. Whereas in fact, nature, of course, is all around us. It's in the birds and the street and, and people and everything. But so for a lot of people, you lose the system of practicing your spirituality. Um, if they've turned away from religion. Um, and that is something that we need to kind of find a way to bring back. And even if you, and it, it'll always have to be personal to, to, to the individual, it always will. But if we start to talk about it, then we're much more likely to have the kind of, you know, well, you know, uh, yeah, I'll do my meditation today or I'll, sorry, I you know, can't meet you or I'll meet you a little bit later because I'm uh, going to sit in the park and say a few prayers or whatever it might be. But it'll just come into our vocabulary in the same way that kind of mental health has. Yeah, that's so interesting. I always think there's great power in the lighting of a candle. It's so symbolic and it's yeah. so simple. Mm. And to just not only is it time for you, but sometimes mm. it can be just a, a time to sit. And that it came to my mind because I suppose that's what religious places will often have. They will have that soft music. They will have the candle lighting. Yeah. Um, so you can recreate that in your own way, in your own home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what those kind of that architecture and that those kind of buildings and that design did really well was to bring you to a place of kind of awe because they're usually really much, much bigger buildings than the rest the rest of our lives. So they're big and they're imposing um, and they come to, and they're silent. So there's a way of bringing you to kind of like quieten down. And that's so you're they were channeling us towards that quieter part of, our, of ourselves. And we need to find other ways to do that. There's a lot of research around spirituality in children and adolescents and a connection to resilience. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, there is. Um, there's. It really looks like there's some great benefits to spirituality and be that religious or otherwise, um, because it, it tends to be that kids with spirituality seem to show more grit, more perseverance in life, uh, better life satisfaction. In fact, some studies that show that actually um, with a tendency to have less episodes of depression if there's spirituality in their life. And that, as I say, might be religious or otherwise. So and an general life satisfaction and an ability to cope with life's ups and downs and a, a better bounce back ability, as it were, that they kind of come back to, to their to their natural selves quicker after after the normal knocks of life. So it really does seem to be quite a useful coping mechanism for all of us, adults and teens, but like a really valuable thing to teach your kids. Tell us a bit about one of the concepts in your book, spine. You did a bit of a, a rejig of, a, of an anagram. Yeah, yeah. So the the scientific study, the biological study of, of um, how our psychology affects our biology is called PNIE, that's psychoneuroimmunoendocrinology. So in other words, the, the connection of all of those systems. So I just kind of did a rejig and was delighted that I could come up with spine, S-P-I-N-E. So that's spiritual psychoimmunoneuroendocrinology. Um, so because, as I say, there is this booming area of what's called neurotheology, which is the study of how um, 
spiritual experiences and religious experiences affect the brain and then the body. So uh, putting all of that together, it, it is absolutely a part of our biology and our, our well-being. So we have to be able to kind of start to talk about ourselves as mind, body and spirit. And the more we kind of put that into the, the science, the quicker that we'll get there. So if somebody is listening now and they're thinking, oh, I don't know, do I have spirituality in my life mm. or where can I bring it in? Where do you suggest they start? Yeah, I think you have to, I, I think um, what's, what's well, start with what you find quickest, I suppose, because that'll bring you in, in, in fastest. So it might be that you um, find that stillness is, is some, for some people it's really difficult, but if that's where you enjoy it, that you find that just sitting, it might be in a park, you don't have to listen to a meditation, you don't have to be doing mindfulness, but it can help, or a candle, or a quietening song or something like that, whatever it might be, that brings you to that still place. Uh, it might be that you open up a notebook and you start to think about what were the things that I really like? Who are the types of people I like? What are the parts of work that I really like? What are the things that are actually true to myself that I actually want to have a lot more of? What are the hobbies that I used to have that I let go of? Now you're beginning to get into that inter-spirituality of the kind of like what, you know, if you were to imagine a kind of a, a, a little still pool in the centre of you, um, what causes ripples on that in a good way? What actually really it's home with you in a good way. Uh, so that would be the inter, uh, intra-spirituality. Um, it might be that you actually kind of get to actually just even look out your kitchen window when you're boiling a kettle or making the dinner and just look out at nature a little bit and just imagine well, those leaves on the tree, they're actually, they've got little little kind of almost mouths on the leaves that actually breathe um, um, the, the oxygen out. So it's amazing what nature is. You, you know, if you can imagine kind of what is life like for the little bird that you're looking at, whatever it might be, you're beginning to come out of the very egocentric uh, self and into the bigger picture of nature and kind of looking at us ourselves as just one species in the world. Or it might be that you want to do a little bit of work or have a cup of coffee and a chat with somebody about what you think about higher power, what you do and don't believe and just begin to turn towards it without any right or wrong whatsoever. Just begin to, you know, have a chat. What do, what do you believe? What do you think is there? Yeah, and ask the questions and the answers will come. Yeah. yeah. And I like what you said about bringing it into everyday conversation a little bit more because that's yeah. how we learn and that's how we can be more open about it with, as you say, no right or wrong. Susanna's book is called The Seven Day Soul. Psychologist Susanna Healy, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Alive and kicking on News Talk. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. 
Now, biohacking is a do-it-yourself biology aimed at improving performance, health and well-being with various interventions. Some common biohacking techniques like meditation and intermittent fasting have been around since ancient times. But with the advancements in science and technology, the area is gathering pace. Tim Gray is described as the UK's leading biohacker, having turned his own health around, reducing his biological age and founding the Health Optimization Summit. He's coming to Dublin to speak at the Future of Beauty event in March and he joins me on the line now. Tim, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I've been really interested to speak to you. You have quite the story. Can you talk to me about your life before? You were a self-described CEO of a marketing company who worked hard, played even harder. Tell us about life then. (laughs) I would wake, I would get into the office, I would probably hardly eat, I'd probably hardly drink. I would work all the way through to the evening, um, very late, get home, eat something, jump straight into bed and get drunk at the weekend, wash, rinse and repeat. And um, my, my body just couldn't take it anymore, basically. And it started breaking down and and um, I started getting chronic fatigue and started forming kidney stones and digestive issues and uh, all sorts of different things that have happened along the way. But basically, I was a normal, let's say, Homer Simpson and didn't know better and thought I was doing all the right things. But in fact, I was doing all of the wrong things. Yeah, that was a really interesting line. I either listened to you say it on your podcast or, or perhaps read it, but you said you thought you were living a healthy life. And I, I thought that was quite interesting, particularly when you say you were hardly eating or drinking during the day. And mm-hmm. what, what did you think a healthy life was? Well, I mean, let's be honest. In the UK, um, we have Pret-a-Manger or Pret, uh, which are the, you know, let's say healthy, quote unquote, fast food uh, sandwiches and salads and uh, croissants and, you know, uh, juices, which all imply that they're they're healthy versions um, because they're organic and whatnot. But and thinking that that was the healthy lifestyle, you know, people go into McDonald's and don't buy a McDonald's burger, but they often buy a salad thinking it's healthy. But in fact, the salad is probably not organic or almost definitely not organic. And it doesn't have much of the nutrients that proper organic salad or food should have. And we think that we're eating healthy. And I think, you know, there's a lack of education around what actually is healthy. So really, I all the things that I uncovered along the way, are the things that I talk about online, or either on the podcast or on Instagram, just to bring awareness to uh, to people <clears throat> that don't know better. Because, for instance, with um, McDonald's, I did a, a reel on McDonald's, and it was my most popular reel ever. And I thought when I did it, I thought, well, it's a big brand, and people must know it's not healthy. But in fact, it was so shared in millions of shares, and I've shared it four or five times now. Every time it does very, very well. Same with Starbucks. People think it's just coffee, but in fact, a lot of them are concoctions full of sugar, you know, and they think they're just having a, a coffee. And um, yeah, and also the other one was charging your phone on your bedside table. You know, actually the EMF is very high and um, you can measure the electricity from for about three feet around the, the phone on the chart on the bedside table. So, you know, these are some of my most popular reels that are people that have absolutely no idea that these things are unhealthy. You were mentioning your time as a a CEO and you touched on some of the symptoms you were getting, but you really did get to a stage of being quite unwell and you were going to a lot of doctors and not really getting a lot of answers. So 
you decided to take a look at your own symptoms. Talk to us about putting all of your symptoms around you on post-it notes to try and get to, to the root cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I looked at it like a business problem and I had to take the emotion out of it because I was falling apart. I was, you know, I was in tears. I was on the toilet. I, I really couldn't operate. I went from being a, a super productive, high energy, very driven guy to falling apart and not being able to leave the bed and being depressed. And that's not me. You know, anyone that knows me would say I would not put anxious or depressed as labels for you. So I realized I had to take the emotion out of it, which is why I grabbed a pack of post-it notes like I would do with a business decision, mapped out all the different symptoms and then researched each of them to see how they all link together. And I think that the problem is with going to my doctors is they tested me and everything came back okay. And they said, we can't find anything wrong. Uh, well, the thing is, it's not always about something being wrong. It's about something not necessarily being optimal. Uh, you know, I might be deficient in one nutrient or, you know, for instance, for me, it turned out I was actually very low in B12 um, because I have a genetic component that means I need more B12 than the average person. And B12 is is critical in energy production, red blood cell formation and, um, you know, um, detoxification. And it's called methylation. So, you know, the the traditional doctor wouldn't look at that because they look at the body in a reductionist way, i.e. you've got a kidney problem, you go to a urologist, you've got a gut issue, you go to a gastroenterologist, you know, you've got brain issues, you go to a brain specialist, blah, 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 blah. However, in functional medicine and biohacking and longevity spaces that we're, we're hearing so much about these days, they look at the body as a whole and they say, why have you got a kidney issue? For instance, my kidney stones which I was just told I'd have to live with, and I was forming them very quickly. Um, I was told I'd just have to live with them, and I'd just have to drink a lot more water, which meant I was peeing 30 to 50 times a day every day. But in fact, nobody told me, and it was only through my research and testing, that I realized that actually I had a gut permeability issue and a very stressed liver. And as a result, I wasn't breaking down oxalates in my food, and they were causing calcium oxalate kidney stones. So the moment that I reversed my gut issues, and that was through repopulating my microbiome, through supporting my liver with um, Swedish digestive bitters and various other things, I stopped forming kidney stones and never had them again. And so that's where you look at the body as a whole and say, what do I need to adjust to make sure that it operates as it should do, not just clear up a mess when it's gone wrong. And I'll give you one example of this is, you know, we service our car every year and the government make it a legal requirement to have it MOT'd every year to make sure that it's it's operating as it should. You know, you have it serviced before it breaks down and sometimes it does break down. And when it does break down, you know that most of it is fine and just needs fixing in one area. However, our bodies, we are throwing it with different chemicals every day, with rubbish food, we're super stressed out, so our cortisol is high, so our digestion doesn't work as well as it should. And we expect it to not go wrong. And we only go to the doctors when it goes wrong, opposed to actually servicing it on an ongoing basis. And the thing is, a car is just a lump of metal. Really, it's worthless. Once it's gone, it's gone. However, our most valuable unit or thing in this life is our own bodies. And yet we take so little care of it and probably clean and service the car more than we do our own body. When you told me about your your previous life, it sounded like your health would have improved if you had of prioritised sleep more, improved your work-life balance more, brought in some more water and nutritious meals and cut down on the binge drinking. They all seem like quite simple steps in comparison. How did it go from that to your interest in biohacking and, and longevity? Well, I mean, it's a really good question, actually. I mean, I think, first of all, 
you know, when I realized I had gut issues, I worked on the gut. And when I realized my liver was stressed, I worked on the liver. And I figured out loads of really specific detailed things, but I didn't piece all of them together and say, you know, what are the basics or the fundamentals of health is what I call them nowadays. Um, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know it was as simple as drinking good water that's been mineralized or, you know, sleeping well or exercising or, you know, having great relationships and not stressful ones and, you know, making sure you get your shoes off and, and stand in the garden, getting some, um, basically free electrons and, all, the, all of these things, I didn't piece them together. And it took many years to realize that all of this stuff I've learned all have similarities and, and they can all be grouped together in certain areas. So the saying that I, I, I often say now is, you know, eat well, sleep well, hydrate well, love well, ground well, sun well, relate well. All of these things are the fundamentals of health that you should get right. And the thing is, is the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And this is just the normal compound effect with everything. For instance, when the iPhone was first launched, it couldn't have all of the features we have today because they continually improve and make them better and more complicated for us to use. The thing is, you can't just start with version 15 on day one. And it's the same with your knowledge. If you, you can't just start with everything, it's the more you learn, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And for me, when I optimized, you know, the 80%, it took me many years to get the first, you know, the first uh 80% along actually like i realized that that basically you can do all of these things unless you get the fundamentals right you're not going to go anywhere and then i realized actually i can perform so much better my brain can be so much sharper my energy is on point i wake up feeling fantastic every day i don't feel depressed or anxious and i just have better energy to be a happy human and then i realized i want more of this and i kept on going and that's where I am today, continually learning. And then it also becomes the mission. Obviously, I don't want people to go through what I've gone through. And I want them to learn the things that I didn't know that I had to fight to find out. And which is why I put it out on Instagram and via the podcast and why I run the Health Optimization Summit, just for these reasons. We also have our biological age and our chronological age, which you managed to shift with the way you were living. Tell us a little about that. Well, there's various ways of measuring your age, actually. There's telomeres, um, and then there's another test called glycan age, which looks at your glycans and your meta basically your metabolic age. And I think there's there's quite a few different ways of slowing down your um chronological age, uh, your biological age, sorry. And there's various things such as, you know, just eating well and sleeping well. Like one of the best things you can do is actually sleep well for your whole health. And I think people think that sleep is something that we just have to do every day and like, oh my God, I wish I didn't have to go to bed. But in fact, it should be, I can't wait to get to bed and I can't wait to heal my body from the damage I've done during the day. So I think, again, it's the compound effect of where all of these little things add up to slow down your aging. And there are a few things, only very few things that can actually reverse your biological age. And there are things like peptides, which are starting to get quite popular in this in the space, um, which has been shown to help with slowing biological age. There's also a study done with hyperbaric oxygen therapy fairly recently. I think it was out of Israel where it showed that actually it um, slowed down and reversed biological age from your telomeres. So I think, you know, I don't want to live forever. And I think I just want to be healthy for as long as possible and then, you know, and then die, opposed to gradually deteriorating and falling apart and not being able to play with my kids and blah, 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 blah. So I think 
you know, but that is also balanced with, you know, I once heard, I heard this and it, it really resonated with me. A guy goes to the doctor and says, doctor, I want to live forever. And he says, do you, do you drink? No. Nope. Do you smoke? No. Nope. Do you eat any junk food? No. Nope. Do you go skydiving? No. Nope. He said, well, why do you want to live forever? So the point is, is I want to enjoy this life and I want to have the energy to enjoy this life as long as I can, but I don't want to live forever. I just want to make sure I have a really good journey. So all of these things come together. So what if my biological age is, is slowing down or reversing a little bit? The point is, is do you want to enjoy this journey? And removing all of these toxic things or being as careful as you can and considering which toxic things that you do use, then you can enjoy this journey much better. And that's really my view. Yeah, and I think that marker you touched on earlier of waking up in the morning, feeling good, feeling energised, I think that's a really good marker for people to to get a hold of as to where they are at with their health and well-being. Can I ask you one final question then? How do you not get overwhelmed by all the noise and remain invigorated by it? Very good question. Pick your poison. That's it. For instance, I eat clean and healthy 95% of the time. 5% of the time I let my hair down and I might have a sticky toffee pudding or something or other. I don't, the, the problem is, is stress is such a big killer. It, it is absolutely destroys our health. It's when you're stressed chronically, we're constantly running away from a threat, which means that our muscles have blood flow and energy going to them and not our digestive system. So stress as, as the doctors, even the normal doctors would tell you is the number one killer. So don't stress about these things too much. If you do cheat from time to time or let your hair down and have, for instance, a sticky duffy pudding or a croissant from time to time, don't stress about not being able to have it. Have it from time to time as long as your stress levels are lowering because one croissant is not going to harm you as much as all the stress from not being able to go near any of the things that you really enjoy. But then there's also the balance of don't do it too much. And, you know, that's about being strict with yourself with what your goal is for your health. You know, I think the extreme for me was that I fell apart so much and went from being so vibrant to so destroyed that I was like, I don't ever want to go back to that. So I keep myself accountable because I know that I won't be able to operate for long if I do it. So I don't get overwhelmed because I pick my poison. It's actually the juice is worth the squeeze. But for instance, I won't then go off and have oat milk or something else. I would only have a black coffee. So, you know, pick your poison. And don't be overwhelmed by it because the stress will kill you more than the thing itself. You just have to make sure you minimise wherever you can. To find out more, you can go to Instagram. Tim is at Tim Biohacker and also at Health Optimization Summit. And Tim is speaking at the Future of Beauty show at the RDS Dublin, which is on March 2nd and 3rd. And for more and to buy tickets, you can go to futurebeautyshow.com. Tim Gray, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. And that website again is futureofbeauty.ie. Now, Tim has obviously made personal choices for his health, but before making any changes to your health regime, you should always consult a medical professional first. So that's it for Alive and Kicking for this week. My thanks to my producer, Aidan McKelvey, and to Hugo De Silva Scott, who was on sound. And thanks to you for listening. I will see you next week. Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna, Sunday morning at 8 on News Talk.